Good morning, church. Welcome to church this morning. I'm feeling very sleepy this morning. I'm feeling a really kind of chill vibe. I don't know if it's like that for you. Um, I mean, some days, you know, you wake up and you're just all excited for the day. You're ready to go. You're amped up. I was amped up yesterday. He came in the room and I gave him fair warning, buddy. We're getting stuff done today. Um, uh, So maybe I'm just recovering from that. But this is what I know is that every day is a great day to worship the Lord. Every day, every mood is the right one to come into his presence. And he welcomes us into his presence this morning. Um, He welcomes us into his presence every time we lift our face to him, every time we open our hands, every time we open our hearts. Um, So that's what we're here to do this morning, um, is to set aside every distraction. And I talk about this a lot. Set aside every distraction so that we can partake fully of his presence this morning and of all that he has set aside for us. He sets aside good gifts to give to us and he longs for us to receive them. He desires greatly for us to receive them and I'm not going to let him down this morning. I'm going to receive all that he has set aside for me to receive. I'm not going to let anything get in my way and I invite you to do the same. Amen. Stand with me, church. I'm going to do a call to worship out of Psalm 103, which I believe was our reading this morning, if you're following along in our Bible reading plan. I'm going to read a few more scriptures than I normally do, and I just felt like this morning, we just really just need to be covered in His Word, just to hear His Word, even before we start worshiping this morning. It goes like this. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies who satisfies your mouth with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Verse 19. The Lord has established His throne in heaven and His kingdom rules over all. Bless the Lord, you His angels, who excel in strength, who do His word, heeding the voice of His word. Bless the Lord... All you his hosts, you ministers of his who do his pleasure. Bless the Lord all his works in all places of his dominion. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So Father, we bless you today. Have dominion in this place. Lord, rule and reign in this place. Holy Spirit, have your way in this place. So, Father, we come before you today to worship you, to declare your name, to declare your goodness, to thank you for your faithfulness, for your mercy, for your goodness. So, Lord, we just want to worship you this morning in spirit and in truth. We worship you today. Even now, we begin to worship you now. Thank you, Lord. We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. We praise your holy name. We praise your holy name. Father, we give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. We worship you today in your precious name. Amen? Amen. Let's worship him. As we were worshiping, um, I felt like the Holy Spirit had whispered to me that, you know, there's a lot of people that are carrying these heavy hearts and these burdens and just this weight. And I just started to, like, feel a weight. And it just felt really dark, but then what the Holy Spirit reminded me was that the freedom that we have in Christ. So I just want to encourage you, I don't know who this is for, but if you have come today with a heavy heart, with a burden, with a fear, that God, that Jesus loves you so much, so much, and that you can trust him with that, you can trust him with that pain, with that hurt, he's not going to handle your heart like someone else did. 
he's not going to let you down. It's a good word this morning. Um, the Lord reminded me while we were worshiping um, how I've been, I've stood in this church for 24 years and I've worshiped. And prior to that time, um, we were in the church we grew up in and there was just this culture of dynamic grace, dynamic worship. And prior to the 24 years of marriage and of our time here in Erie, I always knew I could worship. I knew my place in worship. I knew that it was during that time that no matter my condition, no matter my sin from Saturday night, I could come and I could offer him the praise that was due him, the worship that was due him. I've always had a deep understanding that worship wasn't about me and about my worthiness. It was about him and his worthiness to be worshiped. And that has sustained my life. It has sustained my life. And he said to me as we were worshiping, Liz, your spirit was so weak. It was so malnourished. It was so wanting, and yet it was alive in Christ. Okay, first of all, your spirit is made perfect when you're... So, but we nourish our spirit man. We read the word. We nourish our spirit to be strong within us. Strong over what? Strong over all. But it was my flesh, it was my wounded heart that was calling the shots. It was my wounded heart and my fearful heart that was directing my steps each day until worship by worship, time by time that I submitted myself to his presence, whether at home or in the car, every time that I trusted him with my weary, sinful, weak self, every time I threw myself into his presence, he lifted me up and he strengthened me. And time by time, I grew stronger. My faith grew stronger in him, not in me. So that there came a time that when I decided, I remember, I decided I don't want to smoke this anymore, whatever it was. I don't want to do this anymore. This isn't who I want to be. And he was right with me saying, let it go, girl. Let it go. Um, there was a time when um, I broke up with a boy. It wasn't a boy. I was old enough. I was 20. And I was heartbroken and I was driving home, but I broke up with him because I knew it, it was, he didn't love Jesus. And even though I wasn't living like I love Jesus, so don't judge people. You don't know what their heart is. My heart longed for Jesus and loved him. But you wouldn't have known it by looking at my life. But he never, he never let me go. And I knew he wasn't this, I knew this guy was not of God and that this guy was not of me. And it was the Holy Spirit that said, let him go, Liz, let him go. And I obeyed. I just did because I couldn't deny what I knew the Lord was saying. And on the way home is the one and only time that I audibly heard. I actually looked over in the passenger seat. And it was, I'm proud of you. That's it. I'm proud of you. God, thank God. Thank God I obeyed the Lord. Thank God I trusted him that he would talk to me, that he would lead me and he would guide me when I was in the midst of my sin. He didn't wait until I was shiny. He didn't wait until I was clean to clean me up, to help me. He didn't wait. So I want to encourage you this morning. Those of you who are coming in with those, what Elle had said, you're coming in with fear. You're coming in with struggles. You are not disqualified from the love of Jesus, you are why he came. He came for you. He came for you in this state that you are in to love you right there, to comfort you right there, to talk with you and lead you and guide you right there. But he will lead you out of it. 
He will not sit in the muck and the mire with you, but he will lead you out of it. And he will do it worship by worship. Worship by worship. Don't ever let the enemy keep you from walking through those doors. Because it was my salvation. He was my salvation. You know, sanctification is the big name, big word for the process that we go through of being changed uh, from glory to glory in Christ Jesus. It's the process that we go through where we come into truth. And every morning now, I say this prayer. Every morning, out loud, I say, God, will you please help me to live, help my heart to live by faith today. Help my mind to walk in peace and bless my hands to do good work today, Lord Jesus. Because I don't want to be distracted by anything. I want everything to be submitted to him so that he can work in me where I am now. So church, if you've come in with a burden, gosh, and who hasn't? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but if you haven't come in with a burden, well, you're special. I mean, I don't, I mean, life is hard. <laughs> and, they, and the Lord knew it, man. He gave us so many good gifts to bolster us. Well, because he loved us. Every good and perfect gift is from him. And it's to help us along the way. It's to help us make it to the end. I'm telling you what, it's to help us make it. So if you feel disqualified because you're struggling, well, you're just struggling because you're living life. So if you've come this morning, we're going to take communion together. And as we take communion, you know, I pray that prayer every morning because out loud, I want to invite him. Out loud, I want to make it known. He says, ask and you will receive. I don't want to think it. I want to ask it. So this morning as we take communion, you're going to come up as we always do, and you're going to take your elements and circle back to your seats. You're going to hold on to your elements. We're going to take it together. The middle plate is gluten-free. We're going to take communion, and as we do it, we're going to do what we do. You know, we're semi-predictable. We're going to do what we do. Pastor Jason's going to come up. He's going to read his scripture, and we're going to have a moment. But before you take it, I want you to say out loud, I receive your body broken for me, God. In my, that part you say out loud, but in your current state, I want you to say, I receive it. I take it. And all that it brings, I receive your blood poured out for me, Jesus. And I remember you today. That's what we're going to do. You are growing strong in the Lord, church. You are, go, you are growing day by day. You are growing strong in the Lord. And you will be amazed at what he does abundantly, exceedingly above all that you can ask or think. Okay. I just want to keep going. Go ahead. I dismiss you. You can come down to the communion table and receive your elements. take a moment as Pastor Liz was saying just to even speak out loud that we receive your body and your blood today Jesus say it out loud this morning we receive your body and blood Lord Jesus Take that moment to reflect on what he's done for us.
Father, we thank you. Jesus, we thank you. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Lord, we just, we receive today all that you have for us. We receive your broken body, your bloodshed, for the forgiveness of our sins, for that process of sanctification, for our healing for our wholeness. We just receive every good and perfect gift this morning. Lord Jesus, we receive. Praise you, Lord. The Bible says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you. The Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. We had given thanks, he broke, and he said, Take, eat, This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let us partake. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let us partake. Church, stand with me. We're going to continue to worship the Lord this morning. As I was praying before church, I really just felt led, and it goes along with what El and Pastor Liz both said, that if you have come this morning with a burden, with a challenge, with a physical need for healing your life, whatever it is, I feel like the Lord just beckoning you to bring it to him. And sometimes when he is calling us to bring something to him, we have to move our bodies. We have to do something physical to move our bodies. And specifically, I felt today that people need to come up, but actually place their hand or something on these steps here. I don't know why, it sounds a little bit different, but I'm going to let the Holy Spirit be the Holy Spirit. It's just this act of giving it to him, of bringing it forward and literally laying it down. You can't lay it down up here, you have to lay it down, down here. Maybe that's why, because these steps, you have to bow, and you have to bring something down. So if that's you, I would just encourage you to come up and to bring it to him. And these steps being a representation today of his altar, of his grace, and his mercy. Okay, so as um, we were having our quiet moment, um, I, I saw the Lord praying in the garden. And he said, if there's any other way, if this cup can pass from me, but if not, you know, your will, not mine, right? And he wasn't allowed to save himself. Jesus, he could have saved himself and he wasn't allowed to. And there's, receiving is uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable for me. Um, And it's uncomfortable for many people. And um, so there's things that people do to self-save. Mostly what the world does is they escape. Escape is the big one. The church does it. I do it. We do it. Is we escape. And that self-protects. It self-soothes. So laying that down laying down all that we do. But then there's this more, there's this list that is like church approved ways that we self-save, you know, good works, just being good. I try so hard to be good. Oh, I've tried so hard to be good because I feel like I'm married to someone who's so good. You know, he always says nice things and he's so nice. And the Lord just rebuked me hardcore. How dare you try to be dot 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 yeah, you on. be yeah come on you be <laughs> that's it <laughs> just be and receive from him 
So laying down striving, laying down sin, the church approved sins, which are gossip, which are just the religious spirit where it's like we try to earn. So just laying down those things that we do, it's God's work to protect us. And so I didn't know that you were going to say to have people come. Okay, so church, your ideas, your reasoning, lean not on your own understanding. He doesn't want us to walk around dumb, trust me. He doesn't want us to be dumb. But laying down our reasoning and submitting it to his will be done, even if his will is counterintuitive and a little crazy, because I've got stories of salvation by his plan. So lay it down this morning, church. Lay it down this morning. Because he's here and he is longing to pour out that which you have asked for. So let's worship. Let's worship. You can come down and just put your hand and go back to your seat. You can do it however you want to do it. You can stay up here. I just encourage you to lay it down this morning. Church, let this morning, those of you who came up here, let this morning be a marked moment for you. Let this moment be a marked moment. In the Old Testament, you know, they built altars to the Lord as they were taking ground. You know, they put stones up and it was a marker. And, you know, I think they would name it, you know. um, And it was a reminder that God did something here. God showed up here. And I have these moments I have these moments and I lean into them when I am feeling some feelings. Remember God, remember I came up that day and I put this before you and you took it. So I'm not taking it anymore. God, you do you, you do your part. I promise you he won't be offended by that kind of faith. His feelings aren't, aren't, He's not offended. He's not offended. You don't have to be careful with God's feelings. But these marking moments, you will see what God has done. And now I have intentional moments where if I'm really concerned, if I'm really struggling with worry about something, I will make a, I'll make a moment. And I will say, here and now, God, I release this to you by faith. And by faith, you will carry it for me. You will establish me. You will protect my reputation. Your truth will go forth. You will protect. I just begin declaring what he's going to do. And then I hold him to it. I mean, it's such an amazing system that we're invited into. It starts with love. It ends with love. It's full of power. And all we have to do is believe We just have to believe and hold him to his word, you know, and release and not try to do it ourselves. So today, church, let this be a marking moment for you. Guys, we're going to close this time of worship the same way we opened it. I'm going to read out of Psalm 103, just the beginning part. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Oh, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits, who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies your mouth with good things so your youth is renewed like the eagles. Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We worship you. And we receive you today. And we mark this moment in time. Give you all the praise and glory in your precious name. Amen and amen.
All right, at this time, we're going to take our little break. Um, during the break, you can bring your tithes and offerings up. The buckets will be up here. Also, if you're new, if you're a guest and this is your first time, we welcome you. There's a connection card on the back of the seat for you to fill out. You can just put an email. Um, we'll send a welcome email. Church, you can also put your prayer requests and your praise reports on that connection card. Pastor Andy, oh, thank God for Pastor Andy. Um, he does such a good job at getting those prayer requests out and then giving us updates. You know, like letting us know what has happened um, and just the praise reports from the prayers. And it's awesome. I appreciate that so much. Um, so that's what that is. Uh, we also have nursery is open, uh, zero to three. Little's ministry is ages four, five, and six. And if you are ECF kid, you know the drill. Kid corner, we have a bag. You can borrow a book. You can do your sermon notes. Um, so let's take a few minutes. Let's greet one another, and then we'll come back together. All right, church friends, let's find our seats. Yes, that's I'm talking to you, Mike Donahue, Mr. Social. All right. A uh, couple of announcements. Um, Chet and Jane Carter, their small group is starting again this Tuesday the 3rd. It's the first and third Tuesdays at 6.30 p.m. There's a picture of them. Oh, it's a nice picture. Oh, everyone's clapping. <laughs> Let me just tell you, Chet and Jane are a gift. They are a good and perfect gift from above. So and we all know that. They serve our church they prep communion, they usher, and they just do it with a heart to serve. So they are low maintenance, which means I don't have to pet them. We, as leadership, we don't have to pet them. We don't have to, you know, make them feel good about themselves. They love Jesus, and they serve this church because they love us. They, not us personally, but us, this church. So, guys, we love you. Okay, so if you're looking for a group, if you just want to get in the Word and just kind of have a, if you want to spend time with people who get applauded, and because of their love, I think you should do it. It's first and third Tuesdays at 6.30. You can send an email for the location details, and it's for all ages. So do that. Um, worship and prayer night uh, is this Wednesday. We every The first Wednesday of every month, we have worship and prayer. It is from 6.30 to 7.30. It's here in the sanctuary. This is really laid back. Um, it's a laid back time where you can enter. You could come for 20 minutes and go. You can walk around and pray. Um, you can sit down and pray. You can kneel and pray. It is not a structured service. It is a time set aside once a month where we make this space available uh, for you to come and worship and pray. So um, I encourage you to do that. And then on Friday, we have a worship night. Now, that's different than worship and prayer. Okay, it's different. It is structured. It has a start time and an end time. And there's, there's lots of songs. It's a worship night. We're worshiping. So what we just did this morning times a couple more songs um, or a little bit longer. That's fri this Friday at 7 p.m. We are partnering with New Beginnings Church. Uh, we will have some refreshments out there. That's not an inducement to come. We just decided, hey, let's have some little prepackaged snacks out there. And there will be kid care Ooh, I should know this. Definitely for nursery ages zero to three, and then for littles ages four, five, and six. Jenny, is that right? Okay, good. Um, so come to the worship night on Friday. Come to worship and prayer on Wednesday. What did we, what is it that we said in the car? Double trouble for the devil this week. We're worshiping and we're praying two times in one week. Ooh. Double trouble for the devil. So come and you know, make some trouble for the enemy because that's fun to do. Uh, the last announcement is that this is the last week to sign up for the newcomer lunch. We are hosting a lunch uh, for y'all, for y'all who are relatively new to Erie Christian Fellowship. Um, it is up at the Rose Center. It's next week directly after church. So if you haven't signed up, the sign-up sheet is in the back. Pastor Andy has been making calls. So if you didn't sign up, um, he should have called you and invited you uh, if we have you on our list of people who've come kind of in the, in the last year. This is really just a time to eat together. And uh, Pastor Jason and I will talk about who we are, how we came to leadership here, what it means to be a 
you know, part of this community of believers, um, and it's going to be a good time. So if you haven't signed up for that, sign up. It would be my great joy to have you. Um, I don't care if you've only been here for one week or two weeks. If you are interested in learning more about our church, if you're interested in eating good food, come on to the newcomer lunch. I haven't decided on the menu, but I'm leaning toward roasted chicken with my homemade mac and cheese. So, you know, if you've had my homemade mac and cheese, you can't sneak in to get more, okay? <laughs> but that's what I'm leaning toward. So if you're a newcomer, please sign up. Please come. Um, it's going to be a good time. There was a sense when she said her mac and cheese that I felt like some of you wanted to stand up and go sign up in the back <laughs> immediately, even whether you're a newcomer or not. Yeah, We've had that multiple different occasions, and it's wonderful. Uh, hey, man, how many of you guys know it's been a summer of miracles? How many of you know it's been a summer of miracles? Hallelujah. And I tell you what, the word from the Lord was that even though it's October 1st, miracles will not cease. As far as I know, my God has not changed from the summer to the fall. My God remains the same. His word never changes. His power never changes. So I'm believing as much for miracles this fall as I was this summer. Amen. There was a miracle that recently came in. Those who do get the prayer uh, emails saw this. And I just want to make mention of it because it's an amazing one. It's a real, it's a healing one, which is amazing. Mike Donahue uh, brought in a prayer request for a friend of his named Dustin, and there was a mass around his colon, it was getting a colonoscopy, all this stuff was happening, uh, and this, this guy was under a lot of stress, as you can imagine, there's this mass that they found, it's very stressful, very, you know, upsetting, and this was about a week and a half ago or so, and I, this message came back uh, from Mike that this morning Mike had messaged us, I think it was Pastor Andy, Dustin called him after the colonoscopy this morning and said, the doctors found no mass, Literally nothing. It was not there. It was gone. It completely disappeared. And the doctor's response was, must be a miracle. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Exactly right. Must be a miracle. So praise the Lord. We're going to continue to pray for uh, Dustin and that family. But that's just one of the many testimonies and examples of what God has been doing and how he's been moving and working um, in our lives. So we just want to thank the Lord for that. Uh, and a miracle, we've always said, you need, you need something pretty badly when God moves on a miracle, and that's okay. I think sometimes we get upset, like, oh, I just need God to move in my life. That's, that's okay. We live in this world, and there's things that happen. And you have to have that combined with the faith and believing that God is who he says he is, and he will do what he says he will do. And we watch him move. Amen? Amen. All right, there's, uh, there should be, I don't know if there's ways to give on the screen, but I just want to uh, give a uh, message, a quick note on our uh, offering here. It's out of Romans 13. There you go, ways to give. I'll put that back up for a sec, Paul. Because uh, somebody had asked me recently, I can't remember, like, oh, how, how should I give? Well, there's a couple different ways to give. You can, you know, write out the old-fashioned check way, uh, which a lot of people still do, and put an offering envelope. You can bring it here, put it in the box in the back. But we also have giving online. You can get on the, uh, the church app. Uh, online, there's an app called Church Center. You can just download it and, and uh, get yourself loaded for that. Or you could also text the number that's up there, which is uh, 84321 with an amount, and then you get set up that way. I'd encourage you to do, if you're a regular attender and you give on a regular basis, uh, to do like the ACH giving, uh, because the ACH giving has like a 25-cent fee. And credit card giving has like a 3 or 4% fee, which you guys mostly know that. But So I just wanted to encourage you. There's lots of different ways you can give. Um, okay, Romans 13. This is part of our reading this week as well. As you know, I try to pull some things from our reading. If you're reading along and see if this has jumped out, but this jumped out to me. It says, owe no one anything. Sounds like being debt free in, in my book. Thank you, Lord. We are debt-free in Jesus' name. We're working it. God is working it. He is working the dead down. Oh, no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. Amen? This is not about just giving our money or finances or texting to give. It is about loving one another, giving to a community of believers who love one another, who want to support each other. Amen? That's what it's all about. Let's pray. 
Heavenly Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every gift, every giver this morning. I thank you, Lord, that you are moving in our finances. You are moving in our bodies. You are moving in our relationships. You are moving and working. And Father, we just pray and release miracles this fall, Father God. We just thank you, Lord, that your miracle-working power will not and shall not stop in your name. And so, Lord, I just pray over this message today, Father, that you would just open our ears to hear and our eyes to see what you have for us today. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Okay, well, if you've been following along with us, we are doing a series on the Sermon on the Mount. So we are in Matthew chapter 5, so if you want to open up your Bibles, we're in Matthew chapter 5 right now. And we left off in verse 12 last week, and so we're going to pick up in verse 13. And the goal of this series is, one, it's interesting to study Jesus' major sermon or his big message uh, that's in the Word of God. Number two, many times we, like, we skip verses that we don't quite understand or don't want to deal with, or maybe they're a little too hard, or maybe they go against current culture, or maybe there's something happening that we're just like, eh, you know, we don't really want to talk about that, especially not on a Sunday morning. Well, we're going to go through the whole sermon, we won't skip anything, and we'll do it line by line for as long as it takes, and I believe that's what the Lord wants us to go do. Uh, but this week, we are going to talk about salt and light. This is a passage of scripture here in Matthew 5. This is immediately following the Beatitudes. And it's interesting to me that until we get our heart right, until we get our heart right, which is what the Beatitudes of the heart were all about, we have to get that right before we can become salt and light to this world. Isn't that interesting how Jesus times it or how he kind of works that through in his message on how he says, first of all, I care about your heart. First of all, it's a matter of a heart. How many of you know, especially when dealing with your kids or even others, they know if you're not being sincere? Come on, guys. Do you guys know that, right? You know when a kids can see right through that. Man, you go to like, if you go serve kids, especially at like a youth camp or something like that, and you're like, oh, yeah, hey, how's it going? And you're not really feeling it. They're like, mm-hmm. Who brought this guy? You know what I mean? Like, who invited this guy? He is not being real or authentic. For whatever reason, especially teenagers, boy, you, got, you guys can read right through the you-know-what. <laughs> I won't say it. Okay. But you understand what I'm saying, right? It's like they can just sense it and see it. Now, what the Lord is saying to us here in this being salt and light is this has to start with our heart. This has to start with us truly having compassion for people, truly having a heart that is changed and moved by God. Because you can go out and you can say all the words about the gospel, but if you're not living it and you're not seeing it and you're not truly moved by it, people are just like, yeah, they're just talking, they're just saying words. Now, God's word never returns void, but sometimes our word returns void. When it's not said out of true compassion and out of our heart. So I find it interesting that the Lord starts with the Beatitudes and then he goes into the salt and life. And do you also understand this, and I want to preface with this as this introduction, is we cannot influence this world when we are just like this world. We cannot influence this world when we are just like this world. You ever wanted to heat something up and it was at a certain temperature and you add some more of that in at the exact same temperature? Guess what happens? Nothing. It doesn't get any hotter. It doesn't get any colder because it's exactly the same. The temperature is the same. And so you can't change something when adding more of the same to it. And so what the, Jesus is compelling us to is to be salt and light to this world. But that means we have to be not normal. We cannot look and act and talk and be and respond and be everything exactly as the world. When they start going through all the listings of all the shows that they're watching, and if you just say, oh yeah, I've seen that one, oh yeah, I've seen that one, oh yeah, I've done that one, oh yeah, and when they are of certain nature, I don't think I have to explain that here, they are of a certain nature, of a certain style of show, is you're not being any different than them. We are being exactly the same, and you can't influence and change. Other when there's something that comes, say, "No, I don't watch that show." Oh, you know, you don't think find that entertaining, and maybe it opens up a conversation. Maybe something else can change, but you cannot influence the world when you're just like them. So here we go. Let's read, starting in verse 13. 
Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. This is Jesus speaking to the multitudes that were there for this Sermon on the Mount. He says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? Verse 14, you are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it gives light to all who are in the house. Verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's go back to verse 13. So Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. What does salt do? I was like, okay. I feel like the Lord asked me that question. I can figure out what salt does. So I began to see, okay, what does this mean for us? What does salt do? And as I, as I was looking at it, as I was reading and studying it, is the world, you just have to turn on the news for a second, or look around, or go on social media, the world is in a moral decay. World is in a moral decay. You can see it all around you. You can see it in the United States. You can see it in Europe. You can see it everywhere. But what salt does is salt cleanses, salt preserves, and salt adds flavor. So let's start looking at the first thing salt does. Salt cleanses. And what Jesus is talking about, I love how Jesus used analogies, and Paul does the same thing in a lot of the letters uh, that he's written. But he's using this analogy of salt because everyone knew there what salt does. So salt cleanses. And for us to see this cleansing is it's saying what God is saying is to go live a pure life. And you say, well, Pastor Jason, how am I going to do that? With his help. With Jesus' help. We are not perfect. We cannot live perfect lives. But what Jesus does and how he sent the Holy Spirit to help us is he constantly, he gives a little bit of a conviction here and there and says, hey, what about this? What about that? What about this? And God is constantly looking for the purification of our lives. He's looking at us, he's challenging us to say no to things that other people are doing. He wants us to look different than the world. Why? Just so we can be different? So that we can be criticized? So we can be persecuted? No, so that we can be different, so that we can show and be salt and light to this world. Wherever you might be, whether it's in ballet, whether it's in sports, whether it's in school, whether it's at your job or your work, to be able to say no to things that other people are doing. It's hard to do. It's tough to do. But this is what salt does. It cleanses. It begins to purify. So first, what Jesus is talking about is cleansing our own life. Changing our own heart. First and foremost, again, like I said in the beginning, before you go out to change others and to see others change, we must first be changed. Salt also preserves. Salt also preserves. So not only does it cleanse, but it also preserves. And what we mean by preserving here, I believe he's meaning is that we stand up for what is right. Sometimes it'd be not normal to be different. We have to see a situation, to see a circumstance, and to stand up for something that is not right. You know, when I, when I worked at GE, we had made a, I had made a promise and a commitment to my family that I would leave and go home at 5 p.m., no later than that, every single day. And that that was my commitment. I was going to be different than everybody else at GE. Because guess what? Nobody left at 5 o'clock at GE. I mean, they always like, we're, they're like, look, what are you, you leaving to go home? What are you talking about? And I said, I made a commitment to my family. I prioritized my family, and I'm going to leave at 5 o'clock. And Liz would always say, I'm only asking for, what, 5 to 8 p.m., 5.30 to 8.30 p.m. Three hours, that's all I'm asking for. And I would tell people at work, I'm giving my family three hours of my day. The rest is yours. <laughs> the rest was that GE or sleeping. But I said, I am going to commit to this. I'm going to live differently. I'm going to take the stand. And do you know what? God blessed that. And not only did he bless it, but what it was is it was salt and light to those who were at GE. I mean, I literally would get up out of meetings with like executive vice presidents and be like, 
I, I have to go. I, I have to be home. And they would just kind of look at me. And then it became a normal thing. It was almost like the clock is ticking. Nope, it's 5 o'clock. Slide the chair out, stand up, it's time to go. And it became this commitment that I had. But the interesting thing is, 14 years since I worked at GE, I believe maybe 14 or 15 years since I worked at GE, do you know what is the one thing that people remember about me? That I left every day at 5 o'clock. And I encouraged them to do the same. That was something, it's interesting, it was this simple thing that I did, that I made a commitment in front of them. They knew I was a Christian, they knew I was a family guy, that I had kids, and all this stuff, but they knew that I was going to take a stand and be different than everybody else, and to get up and walk out at 5 o'clock every single day. 15 years later, that's what people remember. Like, oh, hey, Jason, how you doing? You know? Are you still at, they don't remember about the church, like, did you, are you pastoring a church? So I'm like, I don't remember any of that, but I remember that you would leave to go home to your family, and you would encourage us to do the same. So that's what that looks like, is a standing up for what is right, to say, I am deciding to do something differently, and that is when we are salt and light to this world. Then the last one that salt does is it adds flavor. Flavor. I don't know about you guys, but I love salt. If I could pick something between either being sweet or salty, I'm picking the salty. Anybody with me on the saltiness? Okay, all right. Some people love the sweet stuff. I'm like, if there's, there's something sweet there, there's something salty, I mean, I'm picking the salty thing. What, what this flavoring does is we attract people to Christ. We attract people to Christ. We add flavor when we're out there in our areas of influence and where we are. And why? Because of Jesus. Because of who he is. When we walk around with the fruit of the Spirit operating in our life of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I think I said all nine. I may have missed one. Whatever you guys understand, when we walk in that, we bring this flavor to wherever we are. And we're attracting people, not to ourselves, but to Christ. The challenging thing is what happens when salt loses its saltiness. And that verse talked around about it being trampled underfoot, being thrown out. And when the, when the salt loses saltiness, the church begins to lose its reputation. I don't say that lightly. The church loses its reputation and the church loses its mission. Because guess what, church? We are. Jesus said, you are the salt. He didn't say I, Jesus didn't say I was. He said you are. We are his hands and his feet. We are the ones that go to our workplaces. We are the ones that go to our schools. We are the ones who are doctors and we serve others. We are the ones who are out there doing it. So Jesus is calling us to be the salt and the light. Verse 14. So Jesus uses two analogies here. First one was the salt and now he gets into the light. He says you, again, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. And when he talks about light here, he does it in three different contexts. And I believe if we look at it closely, we can see three different contexts in where we can be light to this world. The first one here is this it's a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. How many of you know this world is in darkness? But we are light in this community. How many of you know it? Because you participate in this church, and you are a regular tender in this church, and you give to this church, you, just by that sheer fact, you are a light to this community. You are a light to this community. We are on this, we're on this hill, are we not? You come right down that hill. I love where we're positioned, where God has positioned this church. So this church is part of the bigger church in this city. And this city, as you know, there's been multiple times where the Lord has given a prophetic word. And every time the prophetic word is this, is that this place, Erie, Pennsylvania, and the churches that are here and God's people that are here will be a light and we will be a refuge to people in need. I mean, it's been dream after dream, prophetic word after prophetic word. I'm talking like people seeing a map of the United States, darkness all around, but a beacon of light show, showing out of Erie, Pennsylvania. That's us. 
We are. That is us as a church, as the big C. We, Jesus is the light, and we are his hands and feet. We are his light. So we are a light in this community by the sheer fact that we love Jesus. By doing nothing else but by loving Jesus and participating in church, we are a light to this community. As we know, light illuminates darkness. How many of you have still use the old, you know, three-way bulbs? Come on, you like everybody love the three? No, I get people got dimmers. Okay, I'm talking about Darlene. You with me? Okay, Darlene's with me on the three-way bulbs. I love the three-way bulbs because you go from fifty to hundred to one fifty. Boom, right? Now it's LED, so it doesn't get hot. Still touch it, all the good things. But you're at 150 watts of illumination. And the interesting thing is every time you click it, what happens? The light gets brighter. The light gets brighter. And I believe that the church operates in the same way. Every time we add someone to the kingdom of God, every time he adds someone to the kingdom of God, and the church grows, the big C, our light gets brighter in the area in which we are. Our light gets brighter. So every time we rejoice and celebrate someone who has come to the Lord, someone who has received Jesus, it's just think of our light going another click. Another click lighter. Another click lighter. And the beautiful part about that is the more you illuminate, the more the darkness, it can't hide at all. There's nowhere it's going. Because you know what? When my light gets brighter and brighter, even in my closet, the light begins to shine. Yeah, right? You ever go in your closet and it's super bright outside? It begins to get light in there. Even though the light's not on in the closet, it's beginning to illuminate, even penetrating, even into the dark places. We are a light in this community in the name of Jesus. Verse, 13, or verse 15. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So not only are we light to this community, we are lights in our own homes. How many of you know your children will do what you do, not do what you say? They will do what you do, they won't do what you say. And I've had people, I've talked to people say, you know what, I don't understand. My child, you know, they don't read the Bible. They're not, I've taken them to Sunday school every single week. I've taken them to youth group every single week, and I don't understand. They're not walking like I want them to walk in their walk with Jesus. And I just usually just say, how is your walk with the Lord right now? And so many times our kids, they're just a mirror of us. And so how your walk with the Lord is, unfortunately, right, wrong, or indifferent, our kids are a reflection of that. It's like, they're a, it's like you're staring at a mirror sometimes. You're like, why are you freaking out over that thing? And you're like, oh, because that's what I do. Yeah, that's how I am all the time. And so there's different things. I know it's not one for one. It's not perfect. It's not 100%. But we are light in our own homes. Men, how you treat your spouse is a reflection of Jesus to your children. It's a reflection to your children you are being, we can either be light or we can be darkness in our own home. Do you understand that? How you speak to one another in your own home. How you treat each other in your own home. The words that you say in your own home. Our kids, I tell you what, and I, this is not about, oh, look, wow, Pastor Jason, that's so amazing what you do. What I'm saying is this, is I'm saying that we worship at home the way you see us worship here. I kid, this, is, this is not like, oh, well, they're, you know, they're putting something on for Sunday morning. We worship here like we worship at home. And I would encourage each of you to understand that you, parents, you are a light in your own home. How you speak, what you say, how you react to different things. Now, it's not like we're perfect. Nobody's perfect. You guys aren't perfect. We're not perfect. But we have to remember that not only we are a light in this community, but our first ministry Especially you parents, your first ministry, your first calling, the first place you are to show light to is in your own home. It is what you will be held accountable first and foremost. You will walk up to Jesus someday in heaven 
And you can recite all the things you did outside of your home, but the first thing he's going to ask you for is, how did you treat your spouse? How did you treat your children? And, yeah. Rock on, girl. I don't normally interrupt because I don't want to interrupt the flow of the Holy Spirit. But what I want to tell you is that um, in we lived in Hermitage. Mm. So this is 20 years ago. This man made a decision. He used to wake up. He always wakes up early. But he'd be up early and he'd be watching ESPN because that's what he did. That was his rhythm and his routine. He's a very routine person. And I remember him coming to me and saying, I want my kids to say of me, my dad read the Bible. But they are never going to say it if they don't see me reading the Bible. So I think I'm going to read the Bible in the morning because the kids would wake up and they would come and cuddle him because I was long in bed still because I don't wake up early. Um, But he made a decision, guys. That's what he did. He just made a decision. This is what I want them to say of me. And so he has read the Bible every morning of his life ever since. And we all in his family and in his church can say of him, he reads the Bible and he reads God's word. And this is, what I, this is why I interrupted and this is what I want to say is that he didn't open that Bible and then require us all to rise early and open our Bibles. He didn't preach at us about how we should read our Bible. And so often that's what we do. That's what I do is I, I get a little bit of growth. I make a good decision. And then I look at everybody else and I tell them that they should make that same decision. You need to do what I'm doing because it's, it, it's really a good thing. It's changed everything. He didn't do it in a manner that made us want to rebel. <laughs> he modeled it. And then he, he modeled the joy of it. And so our children do Bible time. They just do it. We don't make them do it, but they do it because they see us doing it, Um, particularly see him doing it. Uh, And so I did interrupt. It's okay. Okay. I don't like to interrupt, but I just think it's so important that we are light, that we are true light in our homes, that we don't put on the appearance of light because that was a whole movement. There are so many parents that come to us and say, I did everything right. I did read my Bible. I gathered the family for devotions, and there's nothing wrong with that so long as it's fun, so long as everyone wants to be, so long as there's joy in it, and it's not a two-hour sermon, you know, and you're, you're, you know, your kids are hating every minute of it, and everyone's waiting for you to stop preaching. You get what I'm saying. There's the appearance of light, whether it's in the workplace or in the world or in your home, and then there's true light. The appearance of light, I call that religious safeguarding. It's when you make a list and you say, I'm going to tick all of these boxes so that I'm a good Christian. And then my kids will walk with Jesus. That doesn't work. It doesn't work. It's the cheap way. It's an easy way. Make a list. Do everything right so that you are owed children who walk with God. It doesn't work that way. Our kids, when he says we worship at home the way we worship here, that's true. But what we do is we do business with God at home. They see us doing business with Jesus at home. Praying, crying, worshiping with headphones on, crying while folding laundry. Mom, what's wrong? I'm just working it out with Jesus. Sometimes mamas cry and it's okay. That's part of our life. You know, normalizing that for them when they're mamas. You know, but we live it out for them and it's true light. There's no religious safeguarding. I love you. I'm sorry I interrupted. Okay. So we are light in our homes. And the last one is in verse 16. So, and then let your light shine before men. So it's interesting. City on a hill, part of a community of believers. Then in your homes, first and foremost. Then Jesus says, so then let your light shine before men. It's almost like there's this order, like being part of the community, doing it in our home, and then letting this light shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So we are light in our community, we are light in our homes, and we are light in our spheres of influence. So God has placed us different places. He has placed us in schools. He has placed us in jobs. He's placed us at, you know, at FedEx. He's placed us at different places. And he is, he is calling us to be the salt and the light in those places. And he says, how? How do we do this? He says, with these good works. Well, what are these good works? It can be a variety of things. There's so many things that the Lord has called us to go do. It's to bring to dinner somebody who was sick, to pray for someone who's having a challenge, to, you know, 
the, do the proverbial walk the elderly person across the, across the street. Does anybody even do that anymore? Actually, nobody walks anywhere anymore. Everyone just drives, right? But anyway, it's like, what are these good works that we can do to let our light shine before others? We can stick up for someone. We can stop someone and help them change. How many of you, man, me included, some, you see someone struggling on the side of the road? Come on, and you do those, mm, I just hope somebody stops to help them, right? <laughs> right? And sometimes, all right, maybe you can't, and that's okay. I'm not condemning everybody who drives by somebody who you need to stop and help someone on the side of the road. But hey, maybe you should pause and ask the Holy Spirit, do you want me to stop? Maybe there's a conversation. Maybe there's something that begins to happen. Maybe you get to pray for someone. Maybe you get to actually influence someone for all of eternity. Now you're all going to drive by looking for someone to stop on the side of the road. You don't have to do that. You have to be Holy Spirit-led. What I'm saying is what Jesus is calling us to is to be lights in our spheres of influence of where we are. Grace, if you want to come up here. Just close your eyes and bow your heads just for a moment. I just want to challenge us today. Challenge myself in preparing for this message, and I want to challenge each and every one of us that first and foremost, we have these beatitudes of the heart that we looked at over the past couple of weeks. And before you even get into the salt and light and being that, I'd encourage you to just read through, those, read through those Beatitudes this week. Read through them every day. It's your homework assignment. I don't typically give out homework, but we're back to school, so you're getting homework. <clears throat> read through those Beatitudes each day. Meditate on those. Ask the Lord to reveal things to you and to your heart. And when you do that, and when you see how good Jesus is, and how faithful he is, how wonderful he is, and how he wants to gently change you and help you and lead you and guide you. The overflow of that, the overflow of that is when we become salt and light to this world. We cannot do it without Jesus. We cannot do it on our own strength. You cannot... Do good works to get yourself into heaven. And I love how Jesus started with the Beatitudes, then he got into being salt and light. Not doing the good works so that you can get to heaven and have your heart changed, but your heart gets changed first by him. John 13, 35 says this, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. In those beatitudes of the heart, we begin to see God's love for us and the overflow becomes our love for others and changes us to have compassion for those who are lost, those who are hurting, those who are sick, those who are poor. The vision of this church is to see the lost saved, the sick healed, lives transformed and families thriving. And we can only do those things with him. So Father, we come before you this morning. Jesus, we thank you that you change everything. Father, Lord, as you change our heart, as you change who we are, Father God, as we seek you, Lord, that the overflow, Lord, we cannot help any longer but to be salt and light to this world. Father, I pray that each one of us this week would have an opportunity to have a conversation with someone either in the store or at their workplace at school wherever they might be this week that they will share their testimony 
of your goodness and faithfulness. And that as they do that, Lord, you will go out and you will provide that light because we are your hands and feet. And that the darkness will be illuminated and that lives will be changed. Father, I just pray that we, are, we will be a church that is salt and light to this community. Father, I pray for our homes right now. Father, I pray for our marriages. Father, I pray for a strengthening of those. I pray, Lord, that we would see our spouse as our partner. And Lord, that we would change the words and the, just the words that we say to each other, Lord. That we would build each other up and not tear each other down. Lord, I pray for our children. We thank you for them and what a blessing they are. Father, we just pray a blessing of supernatural protection over them this morning. Father, I just pray as we go out this week to our workplaces and our schools that you would encourage us and you would give us opportunities, Lord, to be the salt and the light for you. We praise your holy name. Amen? Amen. Guys, we have some prayer teams that are going to come up here. If you've never made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, today is the day of salvation. They will pray with you. They will help invite Jesus into your life, and your life will never be the same again. Maybe you need prayer for something else, healing or relationship, or maybe God is just calling you in a different direction, and you want to share that with someone. Come up here. They will pray with you. They will talk with you. And I had a benediction that I had planned, but I'm not going to do it. I'm going to do something different. How many of you guys remember the kind of the declaration we did when we did the Believer's Authority? And I really felt led, because I don't know about you, but my son jammed his thumb so bad this week. He's got it all black and blue, and one of my daughters came up and said, I'm having trouble breathing while I'm, while I'm running or while I'm walking. And at some point, I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa, 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 enemy. Satan, I don't think so. I don't think so. There are angels that have been assigned to my children to watch over them and to protect them, and I am loosing those angels now to be protective over my children. And I don't know about you, but I got a little fed up with the devil this week. Fed up. I'm excited we're doing a worship night on Wednesday, or a prayer night on Wednesday, and a worship night on Friday, because I think the devil's got to be reminded, and we're going to remind him right now of his place. We're going to remind him right now in, this, in his place. So let's just pray with me this. Just close your eyes, lift your hands, receive this. Satan, in the name of Jesus, I bind you. For it is written, whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And because you are bound, Satan, you and all your demonic forces may not come against my family, can't come against my job, can't come against my house or my cars or my finances or anything. Get your hands off of it, Satan. You are bound away from us and our families and we are covered and we are cleansed in the blood of Jesus. Satan, you may not steal, you may not kill, and you may not destroy our property in Jesus' name. And I remind you, devil, that we are victorious and you are defeated in the name of Jesus. We are victorious and devil, you are defeated in Jesus' name. Amen? And amen. All right, you guys have a great week. I will see you on Wednesday night and Friday night. And come on up and get prayer. Amen, amen.